0: scroll back a few slides in that song where it talked about fire fall down? I hate to throw a curveball at you. Yeah. Can you just imagine what would happen in your life if you really prayed that? If you really Meant that. Lord, just consume me. Just leave nothing, burn away everything that, that is not of you, and just consume me. Fire fall down. I know Noah just prayed, but can we pray again? Father, I pray that you would burn up everything that is of us. God, that that we would see your glory. That the world would see you in, in us. That we would be living sacrifices consumed for you. In Christ's name, amen. I don't know if you know how good we got it with the, the, the worship and the, uh, the, the, the spirit of the Lord and the, the unity. It ain't like this everywhere. Don't take it for granted. Um, Hey, we are headed into the last eight chapters of Acts. Everybody say, oh. <laughs> We mapped it out this last week. It looks like in about 11 weeks we're going to be able to cover eight chapters. Um, might take a little longer, but we, we are hoping to get done in the next 11 weeks or so. Um, we've been in, uh, in Acts since the beginning of last year. You know, the first 10 or 12 Uh, chapters of Acts. By the way, you can open your Bibles to Acts 21 if you want to go ahead and get to where we're going to be today. Um, Keep your finger there. We're going to be in chapter 20 for just a tiny little bit. But you know, the first 10 or 12 chapters of Acts looks at the birth of Christianity uh, and the the early church and the early believers and and all of their ups and downs and stuff. Uh, The next eight or nine chapters talks about the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles, to the people who were not uh, you know, followers of the of the Jewish faith, uh, Judaism, the Old Testament, uh, everybody basically outside of you know Jerusalem and Judea and that area, uh, and it really focused on the, the life of uh, of Paul particularly and how God was using him to go all over the known world, all around the Mediterranean. And then we're going to get into these last eight chapters and they really focus on Paul and they focus on some major opposition that he faced, the opposition uh, that he faced the, the, and his commitment to finish the task of taking the gospel to where God had called him to take it to those who had not yet heard it. And if you sum up these last eight chapters, if, if, if I had to sum up these last eight chapters in just one word, it would be unwavering, unwavering. That really describes Paul's faith and commitment. You know, and there's there's some themes that stand out over these chapters. Paul's unwavering commitment to follow the Lord's leading. Paul's unwavering dedication to the gospel in the face of opposition and hardship. Paul's unwavering faith despite difficulties. And my hope, my hope for us as a church is not only that we have learned from the example of the early church, not only that we have seen how, uh, how they struggled and and learned from that, where we've seen their successes and and want to uh, model that, but also that we too would be people. We take what we learned, and we too would be people who are unwavering in our faith, unwavering in our dedication to the gospel, and unwavering in our commitment to follow the Lord's leading. So let's jump into Uh, to our text. Again, we're going to jump back to Acts chapter 20. Uh, We read this, I think, back in uh, the end of April or early May was the last time we saw this, and it really sets up what we're going to see in chapter 21. So, Acts chapter 20, verses 22 to 24, this is Paul speaking, and he says, uh, I am now, and now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And then we get to chapter 21. Here's where we're picking up. He says, after saying farewell to the Ephesian leader elders, We sailed straight to the island of Kos. The next day we we got to Rhodes and then went to Patara. There we boarded a ship sailing for Phoenicia. We sighted the island of Cyprus, passed it on our left, and landed at the harbor of Tyre in Syria where the ship was to unload its cargo. We went ashore, found the local believers, and stayed with them a week. And these believers prophesied through the Holy Spirit that Paul should not go on to Jerusalem. And when we returned to the ship at the end of the week, the, the entire congregation, including women and children, left the city and came down to the shore with us. And there we knelt and prayed and said our farewells. Then we went aboard and they returned home. The next stop after leaving Tyre was Ptolemais, where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed for a day. Next, we went on to Caesarea and stayed in the home of Philip, the evangelist, one of the seven men who had been chosen to distribute food. He's talking back in Acts chapter 6. He had four unmarried daughters who had the gift of prophecy. Several days later, a man named Agabus, who also had the gift of prophecy, arrived from Judea. And he came over and took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands with it and said... The Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the local believers begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But he said, why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. I am ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even, even to die for the sake of the Lord Jesus. And when it was clear we could not persuade him, we gave up. And said, the Lord's will be done. And after this, we packed our things and left for Jerusalem. Some believers from Caesarea accompanied us, and they took us to the home of Nason, a man originally from Cyprus. And one of the early believers, when we arrived, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem, welcomed us warmly. All right, so we're talking about being unwavering, and the question is, how do we get to this place? How do we get to the place where we have an unwavering commitment like we see here in Paul? And maybe you're saying, well, I'm not Paul, you know? I'm not where he is. I'm I'm not at that level. I don't even know if I'll ever fully get there. But maybe you recognize that, and you say, but you know what? I want to get further along than I am. I want to become more and more like who God wants me to be than, than I am right now. And so maybe one of the things that God needs to do in your life and in my life is is to strengthen us and to strengthen our walk with him and to help us to have a steadfast faith in him, one that's not shaky but one that's firm, a faith that's unwavering. So how do we get there? Well, first, if you're taking notes, if you're following along in your outline, either uh, on the Bible app or just there in the handout that you got or whatever, number one is this, live in light of eternity. Live your life in light of eternity of eternity so many of us live for today live for now one of the ways that we have an unwavering faith an unshakable faith an unshakable walk with god is that we live in light of eternity listen again to verse 22 through 24 of acts 20 paul says i now i am bound your translation may say compelled i am bound by the spirit to go to jerusalem i don't know what awaits me except I do know what awaits me, that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. How many of y'all would go where God is sending if you knew that jail and suffering, you'd be like, you know, Jonah's, Jonah's plan was not a bad one. I'm gonna run from that. But Paul says, I know that jail and suffering lie ahead, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news By the wonderful grace of God. Paul wasn't going in blindly to Jerusalem. Paul wasn't ambushed. Paul knew what awaited him. The Holy Spirit had told him this is what's coming. He knew that difficulty and danger lie ahead. And, And knowing this, he still set his face towards Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit revealed to him that difficulty and danger lie ahead, and he continued. He, he he, had the value of his own personal safety, his own personal comfort, even his own life. He valued that far less than making an eternal impact of reaching people with the gospel. He valued his own temporary life as as much, much less than the eternal salvation of those who had not yet heard the gospel uh, he valued the mission of spreading the gospel and here's the deal early on in paul's life back when he was known as saul back before he met jesus he lived for himself he did what made sense to him he lived to make a name for himself. He, he says in Ephesians chapter 1 that he was excelling in the path of his ancestors. He was climbing the ranks as a Pharisee. You know, he was living to impress others by his religious devotion. You know, he probably would have said he's being selfless but as he persecuted the church, but really he was doing what he wanted to do. He was living for himself. But then one day, everything changed. His whole life changed when he met Jesus. Jesus gave him a brand new purpose, a brand new direction. Jesus gave him new life. And Paul stopped living for himself and he began spending the next 25 years living for eternity, living his life in light of eternity. Guys, the world says that life is short, live it to the fullest get all you can, great, you know, live for yourself, you've only got one shot, make the most of it, James 4, 14, it says, you don't know what tomorrow brings, what's your life, for you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes, you know, in our context, you're, you are like the clouds of the monsoon season that are here and you're hoping you're going to get rain and then they blow over, you know, or they, evap- or they hit someone else's neighborhood, you know, or your neighborhood just gets drenched and then the next day it's bone dry again. The world says live to the fullest. Life's short, live to the fullest. God's word tells us life's short, live it for God. Live to make an eternal impact. Live to make an eternal difference in others' lives. Make your life count by living for the gospel. Live in light of eternity. That's one way that we have an unwavering faith, an unshakable faith, is we live in light of eternity, knowing that that we have just a short, short time. The second thing that we can do that we see here in the text, the, the way that we can be unwavering, is to follow God, not your heart. Follow God, don't follow your heart. You know, as we seek to live in light of eternity, we're going to face difficulty, we're going to face struggles, we're going to face danger, we're going to face hardship, and our gut reaction is to avoid that. Our gut reaction is to, is to flee from that. You know, there's two reactions that people have to danger. It's either fight or flight, sometimes even fright. You just freeze up, you know, but, but our gut reaction is to run from all that. Even when those we love are, faced, are facing difficulty, our heart goes out to them, and we want to spare them from that difficulty. We want to spare them from that suffering. Even if it's God who put them in that situation to where they would be suffering, we want to spare them. We want to step in as though we know more or better than what God knows. Listen, again, this is, this is an interesting couple of things that we see happening here uh, in relation to following God, not your heart. Listen again to verse 4 and then 10 through 13. It says, this is Luke talking. Luke's, Luke's the guy who wrote Acts. He also wrote Luke. You know, you write a book, you get to name it. Anyways, so he, he, it says, We went ashore and we found the local believers and stayed with them a week. And the believers prophesied through the Spirit that Paul should not go to Jerusalem. Skipping down to verse 10, there's another encounter like this. It says several days later, a man named Agabus who also had the gift of prophecy arrived in Judea and he came over, took Paul's belt, bound his own feet and hands with it and said, the Holy Spirit declares, so shall the owner of this belt be bound by the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem and turned over to the Gentiles. And when we heard this, we, and so this is Luke speaking, Luke who had been traveling with Paul. He says, we and the local believers begged Paul not to go on to Jerusalem. But he said, why all this weeping? You're breaking my heart. I'm not ready, I'm, excuse me, I'm ready not only to be jailed at Jerusalem, but even to die for the sake of the gospel. All right, so the people talking here, first of all, these are Paul's friends. The people that are, that are speaking into his life right here, these are people who are Paul's friends. He stayed with them a week. You don't normally stay with people a week if they're not your friends. Okay, uh, I mean, you, you just don't. These are Paul's friends. These are people who cared about him. These are people who had, he had built a relationship with. Not, and not only that, these are godly people. These are believers. These are people who who seem to be walking close to the Lord because it says the Holy Spirit was speaking to them and prompting them to warn Paul of what awaits. One of them was a guy named Agabus. And you probably don't remember it. I just was like, I knew that name from somewhere, and I looked it up. And this is the same Agabus from Acts chapter 11 who came down to Antioch and prophesied that there would be a famine throughout all the known world and was telling the believers to prepare for it. And, so this, and that's exactly what happened. So this guy, is, 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 he's got some cred, okay? So when we read this on the surface, it looks like we've got a little bit of a contradiction, doesn't it? Because back in chapter 20, Paul says, the Holy Spirit has told me I have to go to Jerusalem. But then we get to these passages, and it seems like the Holy Spirit's saying something different, that these believers are telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Here's why I love commentaries. Here's why I love people who are way smarter than I am. And, and I dug into, like, every translation I could, and they all said the same thing. But then I get to, this, to, to some commentaries, and one of them, uh, a guy named William H. Marty, he wrote uh, uh, the, the Moody Commentary. He, he did the Acts book of acts for the moody commentary he says this he says the text does not say paul the spirit himself says you should not go to jerusalem instead the words prophesied through the spirit those words could just as easily mean that through the prophetic revelation of the holy spirit these believers knew what awaited paul and because of their own love for him they pleaded with him not to go I talked to some other believers and and they were already there before I was there. I was like, yeah, that's what it says. You know, why did you have to go look it up? But I want to make sure I'm teaching God's word, that we're understanding God's word and that we're together because God's word never contradicts itself. Amen. God's word never contradicts itself. Amen. Amen. You got to believe that. You absolutely have to believe that God's word is 100% true, 100% accurate because it is, it is your guidebook for life. And if you doubt it, if you question it, if you say, well, it may not really, what was the very first sin? Eve biting the apple. Where did that come from? The, 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 the serpent said, did God really say? And he caused her to doubt God's word. God's word is 100% true and accurate. Amen? All right. Here's my point. These believers were listening to God for sure, but they were also to some extent listening to their own hearts. And it makes sense it's a very normal and natural reaction to, to want to shield and protect those we love from, from hardship and danger. Peter does this. When Jesus said he was going to the cross, look at what Peter does. you got to love Peter. <laughs> i got to be careful because we're all going I to—all these preachers are going to be up in heaven, and they preach all these sermons, and a bunch of them, they beat up on Peter. I'm just waiting for Peter to be up in heaven going, all right. <laughs> you couldn't hear that, but I cracked my knuckles. All right, so look at what Peter does. Matthew 16, 21 to 23. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders and the leading priests and the teachers of religious law, and he would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Peter's telling Jesus, no, 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 that's not, you're, you're wrong, Jesus. Jesus turned to Peter and said, go away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You're not see- you are seeing things merely from a human point of view and not from God's. Whew. Peter was listening to his heart, wasn't he? You know, if Paul had listened to the emotions in the, of his friends, and even to his own hearts, history would be very different. Paul likely would have never gone to Rome he never would have gotten to share the gospel before kings and rulers, as we're going to see in a few weeks. Our Bibles would very likely look very different, because about half of Paul's letters that he wrote in the New Testament, he wrote while he was in prison in Rome, the book of Ephesians, Colossians, uh, Philemon or Philemon, however you want to say it, First and Second Timothy and Titus, all of those were written while Paul was under house arrest. The church today would look very different. Somebody posted a quote this week. I love it. It says, I don't trust my gut. My gut can't even handle dairy. <laughs> Let me ask you something. How would your life be different today if you listened to your heart instead of listening to God? How would your life be different? Very likely you would not be a Christ follower because there's nothing about that. When you really get into what it means to fully surrender everything to Jesus that 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 makes us want to do that you may not be married to who you're married to you may not live where you want to live you may not have the kids what if your parents or grandparents had listened to their heart instead of listening to god you may not even be alive today follow god not your heart feelings change moods change situations change circumstances change people change god never changes He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word doesn't change. Follow God. Don't waver. Don't let your heart lead you to waver. Very quickly, last point, number three is this. Go where God leads even when it's difficult. Emphasize go. Underline. I know it's in, I know it's the underlined blank, but underline it, highlight it, circle it, go where God leads, even when it's difficult. Listen to verse 14 to 17 again. It says, when it was clear that we couldn't persuade him, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. And after this, we packed our things, left for Jerusalem. Some believers from Caesarea accompanied us, and they took us to the house of Nason, a man originally from Cyprus, uh, and one of the early believers. And when we arrived, the brothers and sisters in Jerusalem welcomed us warmly. Paul and his team make it to Jerusalem now this may seem like a minor narrative point this may seem like you know okay fine you know it's just a geographical explanation but there's a lot to this see Paul didn't just talk about going to Jerusalem Paul didn't just have a longing and a yearning to go to Jerusalem Paul didn't just get started make some progress face some opposition and say well I tried you know I gave him my best shot you know I'm not gonna be able to get there because of what's there but you know what my heart was in the right place no Paul went Jerusalem he made it there he got to the place that the Holy Spirit was leading him and saying that you must go he made the journey knowing it would be difficult knowing it would be dangerous knowing that it might cost him his life but Paul was unwavering and he went where God led even though he knew it was going to be difficult some of y'all know this story I think I shared it many many years ago But in 1956, a group of missionaries tried to make contact and share the gospel with a tribe of people in Ecuador known as the Wadani. Among these missionaries were Nate Saint and Jim Elliott. The mission team was warned that the Wadani people were very reclusive and even hostile to outsiders. But knowing these dangers and understanding the risk, Nate and Jim and three other men followed God's leading and were successful in making initial contact with people from the tribe. They arranged to come back a short time later so that they could share the gospel. They returned on Monday, January 9th, 1956. And that was the last time anyone heard from these five men. A few days later, their bodies were found, having been killed by numerous spear and machete wounds. They knew it was dangerous, they knew it was going to be hard but they also knew that this was where God was leading them. This was the call God had placed on their lives. Jim Elliott wrote in his journal before all this, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. The story doesn't end there. Amazingly, within two years of the men's death, a couple of the widows returned and made friendly and lasting contact with the Wadani. The Bible was translated into their language. And one by one, the men who had murdered the missionaries became believers. Steve Saint, the son of Nate Saint, eventually got to baptize the man who killed his father. Where God leads, oftentimes will be difficult. Go where God leads, even when it's hard, even when it's tough, even when everything in you is screaming out, I don't want to do this. Don't just acknowledge that you need to go. Don't just settle for understanding that you need to obey. Go. Do what God says. Go there and get there even when you don't know how things are going to turn out. So let me ask you this, what difficult thing are you dealing with today? Where is God leading you that you're having a tough time? Maybe today it's in obeying God in some area of saying, yes, Lord, I know you've been saying to do this. And regardless of what awaits, I say yes, and I'm going to go. Maybe it's in trusting God in some area. You're dealing with something right now. You're struggling with something right now, either your life or somebody around you, and it's just hard for you to trust him with this and trust him in this. Maybe the difficult thing for some here today is surrendering yourself to God, to place your faith in Jesus, to give up control and to say, I'm done being in charge with my life. I'm done being the one calling the shots. I'm ready to place my faith in Jesus. I'm ready to become a Christ follower. You can do that today. Will you pray with me? All around the room, let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, would you help us to be unwavering in our faith in you? Lord, would you strengthen those who, who have heard a call on your life to obey and would you give them the will and the desire to say yes to you and to follow you no matter where you lead. If that's you today, if you're out there and you're, you're struggling with some area of obedience, would you, just, would you just pray to God right now and say, Lord, help me to say yes. Help me to say yes to you today. Fathers, we just continue in this time of prayer. I lift up those who are, are struggling to trust you in some area. They're walking through a difficulty. They're walking through a, a, a struggle. Maybe it's something you know, in their own life or somebody, something in, in the life of somebody they love. Would you help them to trust you, to trust your will, to trust your plans? If that's you today, if you're having a hard time trusting God, would you just call out to him right now and say, Lord, I want to trust you. Strengthen my faith. Remind me that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you've got me walking through whatever you've got me walking through for a reason. And I trust you and believe in you. And I hope in you. Maybe today your prayer is that of of needing to place your faith in Jesus for the very first time. Like Paul, you've been living for yourself. You're chasing after Everything the world tells you to chase after. And you're finding it empty. And you're empty. And you know there's something better. You know there's something more. Let me just tell you, it's Jesus. It's new life in Christ. And it begins with you. Well, you can pray a prayer sort of like this. You can just call out to God right now and say, God, I know that you love me. If that's you, if you're ready to give up control and stop living for yourself and start living for for, for God through faith in Jesus, just call out to him right now and say, God, I know that you love me. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross to save me. I'm ready to become a Christ follower. And I do this by faith in what Jesus did. That he died And you raised him back to life. Father, all across the room, you're working on hearts. And I pray that you would continue as we move into this response time, this response song. Holy Spirit, continue to move on hearts. In Christ's name we pray these things. Amen. Will you stand with us?